normally I wouldn't be preaching, but in in theory, we would want someone from the next generation preaching. Uh, we're, we're in a constant challenge of all the different dynamics, whether it's smoke. So praise God, the index went down and we can be out here, right? Thank you, Lord. Um, but it just worked out with all the dynamics that have been happening over the past years. We just didn't line up with someone under 40. So I actually relish this opportunity to bring you some encouragement about what this is all about and pouring into that next generation, how desperately important it is. Because whether we are cognizant of it or not, we are pouring into the next generation. It's just, what are we pouring? And so it's my privilege to take us into the scripture this morning and look at some examples and then challenge us, whether you're younger or whether you're older, how do you fit into this idea of being an influencer? Or what are you being influenced by? So let's go to prayer and ask the Lord to lead our, our time in the Word this morning. Father, you are the, the ultimate influencer. You are worthy of all honor, and there is immense credibility to uh, your leadership, to your will, to uh, your effectual love in our lives. We need to look no further than to your example or your son's example than to understand the mandate, the need to influence that next generation and what that looks like. Guide our time this morning, Lord. In your name, amen. I'm going to have you turn to 2 Kings 2 in your scriptures. That's going to be the part of your Bible that still has the gold leaf on it, right? It's in the Old Testament, page 745. I have no idea what page it is in your Bible. So, you know, you can find it. 2 Kings 2, and we'll get there in a minute. Have you ever wondered what you have to offer to the people around you? Have you ever thought, maybe it was the Olympics, maybe it was a concert, maybe it was um, a world event, and you were either excited or you were disappointed in the influence or the performance of someone you looked up to, or maybe you didn't look up to them at all, but after that event, they now have great influence in your life because of the credibility of their content, right? But when we get challenged, I think so much of the time, we don't see ourselves as those individuals that have that kind of influence. And I want to open your eyes this morning on two levels. One, what does it mean to be worthy of influencing and what does it mean to set forth a worthwhile or honorable um, process of being followed or asking for a double portion so it begs the question does anyone want what you have to offer right some of the most powerful stuff that's already happened within our church family this morning was service 
service, service, service by a group of people that would probably say, well, I, I'm not the person, I'm not the right person. And they got out of their comfort zone, they got here early, and they served, and served with joy. And they're going to continue to serve with joy. It's so inspirational that even today as I preach this message, and you start with that question, does anyone want what you have to offer? Yes. Yes. Every single one of you, my friends, has a God-given purpose. And every single one of us, in our efforts to serve the Lord and to serve one another in that example of Christ, we have so much to offer. And when, as I had a time with one of our younger people today talking about a potential ministry opportunity for them, we talked about the opportunity. There was almost a calling, an effectual calling that was being given out to this young man saying, there is such a necessity to feel purpose, to know that you are wanted, that you are needed, and that you serve a purpose within a community. Are you tracking with me? Right? And to know that rather than sitting on the outside and on the periphery is a completely different thing and it changes your whole perspective on life. And so we're going to examine that this morning starting with that question, does anyone want what you have to offer? Do your children often herald you as the world's greatest parent? I heard, I heard some things out there. That's not a common occurrence these days, is it? So those of you that are children, and by the way, that includes all of you. Not all of you are parents, but all of you are children. And if your parents are, are here, are surviving, that's one of the first things you can do. I'm going to wrap up the sermon today with some very practical application to how do we pass the mantle to the next generation. That's the sermon title passing the mantle to the next generation. One of the ways we can do this is giving honor. And so it's very telling as a parent when you're constantly being told how you're not doing it right, right? And you're constantly feeling like, uh, well, we keep hearing about how such and such as parents are better than us or, you know, you know all the stories that you hear. It'd be nice for us to hear some honor, and that's a biblical mandate, and we'll circle back to that. What about family? Is there anything you have to offer to family that's around you? What about friends? Right? Is there anything you have to offer to friends? Things that you can pass on to people that are in need around you? What about coworkers? We are in a time, my friends, where there is so much sorrow there is so much downcast. And with the light of Christ in our lives, we have the ability to change the atmosphere and to truly be influencers because of good content. You're going to hear that statement over and over. And one of the reasons is I'm trying to, I'm trying to get a little younger with, with my language here. And we're going to explore that angle in just a minute so you understand fully what I'm talking about. You are an influencer for good or bad. Think about that. You are an influencer for good or for bad. 
Now, some of us have put ourselves on the outside saying, nope, I don't want that platform. Right? Even as we do a U40 service, we know that there are individuals, they're not coming up here. Right? I love the Wills family that, that was up here, right? Trey's just leaning. Yo, man, how's it going? Right? That's Tracing. But the girls, a little bit more shy, right? But they came up with their family. Which, to the Wills children, that has a tremendous influence on the other families around. Showing that within the Wills family, family matters. We see ourselves as a unit, right? You can influence for good or bad. The question is, who do you want to influence and what is your content? Who do you want to influence and what is your content? So if we're talking about passing that mantle to the next generation, I'm going to test you to see if you're tracking the same way I am. If you can name who said this influential statement, just shout it out. You ready? Hello, I'm Kermit the Frog. Thank you. I just wanted to test and see uh, if the audience was alive and tracking on this one. That was a, a softball. Now let's really get to it. I have a dream. Ask not what your country can do for you. JFK, somebody started to finish the quote for me. I appreciate that. So JFK, this one's a little bit more challenging and I'm gonna give a free slice to pizza to the person that comes up with the answer. So I'm listening very carefully. I'm not gonna to try to imitate the person. I'm just going to say what they said. And they're famous for this. They're infamous for this. I'm not a role model. Boom, baby. Free slice of pizza. One of the greatest influencers of our time, Charles Barkley. Right? Here comes... Here comes... But, but that speaks to exactly what we're talking about, Christine. Right? That, that many of us don't want that platform. But we want the money that goes with the platform, don't we? So, so we'll be out there, we'll, we'll have a voice, but we don't want the scrutiny that comes with it. There's the tension of what it means to be honorable and to have influence in your content of your influence. This one, I'm gonna give two slices of pizza. I, seriously, I might actually even give like a vacation to Tahiti. No Googling, real change, enduring change happens one step at a time. Five, four, close, but not really. Two, one, RBG. Does anybody know who RBG is? Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Do you think Ruth Bader Ginsburg is one of the major influential voices of our time? Whether you agree with her or not, absolutely, right? Now I'm gonna have some fun. You ready? We're gonna, we're gonna go with the political realm because I know you all love that. Let me circle back to that. Jen Psaki, somebody said Jen Psaki. Yeah, there you go, Damon. And then the other one, oh, we can't avoid controversy. What difference does it make now? Hillary Clinton. Well done, everybody. 
So think about how those statements, some of those statements were made over 40 years ago, but you know them because of the content and they carry influence, good or bad. Let's look at 2 Kings 2.9. And really what I want you to take away from this is we're looking at two individuals. We're looking at Elijah and Elisha. And Elijah was very effectual in the calling of Elisha to replace him, right? Succession program. That's what we call it these days. And so Elijah is at the end of his time, and many of you know the story. He's taken up supernaturally to the Lord uh, in, a, in a flaming chariot, right? Elisha is aware that this relationship is about to end, that these are the last moments he will be with his friend and his mentor. And this is one of the most beautiful pictures of what you want to see when you actually have this sense of passing the mantle to the next generation. I think it truly is one of the best examples I can show you from scripture. And so what's happening is Elijah is traveling throughout the Jezreel Valley and up towards Jericho out in, in what would be like a desert area. And he's moving from spot to spot to spot. And the Lord is using different people to prophesy that Elijah is going to be done that Elijah is going to die. And Elisha keeps following him, and Elijah keeps telling him, stay here, leave me alone. Have you ever been there, folks? Somebody won't, they're just always around you, and you're like, I can't handle this anymore. Just stay here, it's not necessary, you don't need to go with me to the store, you don't need to, you don't need to come to this event, um, just, you know, give me, give me a break. That's kind of what Elijah is doing here. But what did Elisha do? Not only did Elijah tell him, but other prophets at the time would step up and say, do you know that God is going to take your master away? They get to five iterations of this, and Elisha is still dedicated and following his master. That's commitment. Younger generation, I want you to hear that because the generation that's walked before you hasn't done a real good job at being loyal or committed when things get going tough. Hanny and Elham, where are you? They left the church. There you go. I was just going to talk about commitment. Okay, Hanny's right back here. Elham's probably in the kitchen. I don't know why because um, she's supposed to just be able to enjoy. Oh, she's in the nursery? No, she's, she's right there. Hi, Elham. This is awkward because I was going to talk about how great their marriage is, but they're they're sitting way far apart from each other. So I do have a five o'clock today for counseling, guys. Um, I have an open slot. Uh, Hanny, you just celebrated what number anniversary today, or or this week? Thirty-five years of being around the same person. Some of you can't handle five minutes around the same person. Let me help the younger generation. Do you bristle at the idea of sitting at the dinner table every night with your parents for 45 minutes? Is that a hard thing? Do you groan viscerally when they say dinner time and you have to get off that PS5? 
or you have to put your phone down or you're like, wow, pastor's really hammering me. I'm not hammering you. I'm just trying to point out what is influencing you. When you see two people that have been married for 35 years and are sitting close together, arm in arm, like Andy and Elham right now, you want to pursue that like Elisha pursued Elijah. Am I right? Am I right? Absolutely. I, I got to be my own cheerleader because I didn't hear anything there. Thank you, Eris. To the younger generation, you need to find those who have lived honorably and their content is much better than the milk crate challenge. We have, to the younger generation, what we have done effectually is we've taken the things that add value and have credibility in life and we have replaced that with sophomoric temporary entertainment and life has filtered down to a constant litany of self-indulgence over and over and over and i truly believe listen to this i truly believe that's one of the reasons you have so much anxiety and you deal with so much sorrow and so much depression because what used to be something credible and great content we've replaced with something that is so temporary and so non-credible and so non-fulfilling. It gives us an instantaneous laugh. I always call it the NASCAR effect, right? Nobody goes to NASCAR to like watch talent. Sorry, NASCAR fans. Everybody tunes into NASCAR because they wanna see what? They wanna see a crash. That is our society. That is the echelon of what we live for. Look at all the TikTok videos. Look at all the, most of the YouTube stuff that's out there. The things that get the most hits and the most views, those things that have the most influence are the crash and burns. And when that's what we focus on continually, we lose a sense of confidence. And that's what builds the anxiety. Elisha knew his mentor. He saw the character of his mentor. He saw what was honorable in his mentor. And I want you to hear his words. So the key verse is 2-9, but I'm going to back it up to verse 4. Elisha said to him, Elijah, sorry, I did it. This is really hard to keep these two straight. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here. For the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives... And as you yourself live, I will not leave you. Incredible dedication. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went 
and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water. And the water was parted to the one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. There goes my hero. Right? Even the world, even the Foo Fighters know the value of credibility. And in the last few hours, even as the prophets say, 50 individuals say, God reveals it to them to say to Elisha, and I think to test him, to discourage him. But he wants that mantle of leadership passed on from Elijah. They say, do you know that God is going to take your mount? Yes. Be quiet. I'm in the zone. I know what I'm doing. This is my hero. And I'm following him. And he got to participate in the credible content of Elijah's ministry by crossing the Jordan on dry ground. He was dedicated to his master. And here's what happened. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you. And there it is. Find someone who has content that's worthwhile. Pursue them. Pursue them relentlessly. And I highly recommend the first person is Jesus Christ. But pursue them relentlessly so that in effect they turn to you at some moment and say, what can I do for you? Here we find Elisha and Elijah in this salient moment. And the question is finally presented to Elisha from an individual that just parted the Jordan. Could you imagine? What would you ask for? Students, what would you ask for if someone who demonstrated that kind of influence over nature, miraculous influence over nature, what would you ask for if they then turned to you and said, what can I do for you? Let's see what Elisha says. Ask, oh, by the way, it comes with a promise. He says, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, please, let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And then Elijah says, as you ask a hard thing, ask for hard things. I gave my son a book in his junior year of high school. It's called Do Hard Things. He said, thanks a lot, Dad. But you know what? I'm extremely proud of who my son has become. And I think part of what influenced that was some of the wisdom and the content from that book influenced his thinking. And I see it in his life. But in the moment, like Hebrews 12 says, no discipline is pleasurable in the moment. But Elisha says what? He says something hard. He swings for the fences. He wants a double portion. I don't want to just have what you had, Elisha. I want double. Now, in a spiritual sense, doesn't that come across kind of greedy? But understand, in a moment where you're going to say goodbye to a loved one, 
to someone who's so influential, the language here is more complimentary than it is specific. I honor you so much. Sometimes the way we say it is, imagine a deathbed scene in a movie, and you say, if only I was half the man you were, Dad. I'd turn out great, right? That's what Elisha is saying. And so Elijah says, you ask a hard thing. But, and here is just the incredible influence of a mentor passing the mantle on. He says, if you stay focused, if you stay locked in, you're going to receive it. You would think for all that Elisha had done, the mentor Elijah would say, okay, you've been so faithful. You're the only one standing here on this side of the Jordan with me. You got it. No. The mentor never quits influencing. And he says what? If you stay locked in, Elisha, if you're looking when I depart, that last scintilla of moment of time between you and I, then you will receive what you ask for. Swing for the fences. Stay committed. Find those who have incredible content and pursue them relentlessly and stay locked in. I didn't even have those in my notes. That just came out of me. So there you go. That's for free. That was in there. That was buried. There's other illustrations that I can give you. Ruth with Naomi out of uh, Ruth 1 in verse 16 is the famous passage. I will go where you go. Your people will be my people. Right? The mentor relationship once again. The influencer having an honorable response by the person that they are seeking to influence. In 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2, Paul's sharing last words to Timothy before he goes uh, to be to be martyred. And he's giving instructions and he says, as a child, Timothy, my beloved child, speaking to the depth of relationship that Paul had invested into Timothy. And he tells him, Take what you learned from me and invest in faithful people, in faithful men. That's where the influencer was thinking. Take what we have, take what I have given you and continue to pass that on over and over and over. Titus 2.1, there's instruction there that Paul gives to the church. Does anybody remember where that church was? We did a series on, on Titus, you know, back before the apocalypse. Um, Crete, right? We did a big thing about Cretans and, you know, how bad Cretans were, or Cretans. And so Paul establishes a church there and he gives them some instruction and he gives some great influencer, contact, mentor relationship instruction here. And he talks about, you need to teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. He talks about older men teaching younger men, older women teaching younger women. I was counseling someone recently who's going through immense pain and suffering. And I said, you need to find somebody who's walked through the very specific thing that you are experiencing right now. And you need to go to them and pursue them and ask, how did you succeed? Don't go to someone who's dragging. Don't go to someone who's not succeeding. Find the person that has gone through the valley of the shadow of death. Ask them how they did it. And follow them like Elisha followed Elijah. Amen? And so this person has an individual in their life that has walked through five times 
what she is currently going through. Look at how God provides. But often we don't give ourselves permission to pursue someone who can influence our lives for the better with life-changing content. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. By the way, back to the Titus 2, 1 thing. Paul gives that instruction because there's a lot out there, right? I mean, there's a lot of us are picking up books on how to be happy. <laughs> a lot of us are picking up books on how to have our best life now. Don't read that book. A lot of us are picking up books that are out there that are written without any credibility to the content. They're just writing things that they've heard from other people. But their lives don't present that example. Timothy's life did. He had credibility. And so therefore, Paul says, you have to teach what is sound, what is reliable, what is credible. In your pursuit for those things that are going to influence your life, my friends, whether you're the older generation or the younger generation, I implore you, find content that is sound. Amen? How many of you are tired of being told what science says, and then somebody comes out a month later and says, the science doesn't say that. It says this now. And you're starting to get frustrated, and we lose credibility. And we know that. What we really should understand is that this is a dynamic situation that we're in, and the science is trying to figure it out, and they're doing the best job possible. But politicians don't like best job possible they like to appease the need and say this is what's going to save you can i just tell you the only one who knows what's going to save you is jesus christ that's sound doctrine that's sound doctrine by the way katie i'm not trying to slam science science is beautiful and she is a brilliant lady and to any other scientists in in I was going to say in the room, but we're not in a room. You guys are in your own cabanas. You guys on the back row, you're like in the back of the bus there. Um, you're the seniors in high school that dominate, you know, and you kick all the freshmen forward. But you people, just look at yourself as private cabanas at Club Med. Just think of it in, in those terms. Who's investing in our next generation? Whether it's YouTube, TikTok, apps, phones, medication, vaping, music, on and on and on and on. It's not that there isn't some credibility and some good. My point with that is that's where the influence is coming from. To the younger generation, I'm challenging you right now. Relentlessly find those that are honorable and have credibility that's missing in the world around you and you walk up to them and you say you have something that is honorable I want to know how you got it will you spend time mentoring me okay now if someone walks up to you and asks that don't say I don't have a whole lot of time as a matter of fact here's my challenge to both groups to the next generation I challenge you to pursue a person who will faithfully invest in you to be better and build a godly maturity into the legacy of your life now here's the part that probably is a challenge to the busy generation oh yeah I did go I did go there because you were thinking it 
If somebody walked up to me and asked me to do that, I don't have time. Right? Isn't that what we say? I don't have time to do that. Listen carefully to my challenge on that. To the busy generation, I challenge you to set aside time. Build into your own life spiritual maturity and experiences so that you're sought after, like Naomi, like Elijah, like Jesus Christ. Someone's calling me. Should I take this call? Now see, that was a beautiful illustration. What did I just tell you? If someone comes to you and reaches out to you, take the call, right? And I think I probably would have taken the call, but they hung up on me because I didn't respond. What a beautiful illustration of what I'm to Thank you, Lord. I have no idea who tried to call me. But think about that for the next generation. Someone reaches out to you, and then also for the older generation, what are you doing to set up a target that somebody would ask you to be that influence in their lives? Spiritual maturity, experience so that you're sought after, your words are honored, your time is honored, you are honored, and God is honored. Jesus has been, is, and will always be the greatest influence. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. As we're closing up today, we have to direct your thinking towards Christ. Because if there's anyone that we should model our life after, it's Jesus Christ. We're going to be verses 12 through 17. Paul says this, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. You see the mentor relationship there? And how Paul saw Jesus? Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. See, that's what's going to happen in this situation for you all. I have individuals that I have pursued and I have asked and I have no business asking and I had that tension in my head. That person, I don't hold a candle to. And one of my mentors, Dr. Cook, it took me two years of prayer before I decided to finally go to him and ask, would you be willing to mentor me? Because if I was going to ask for a double portion from Dr. Cook, I had to be willing to walk the way he walked. And that required a high level of consternation and prayer and consideration so that I wasn't wasting his time. Je or Paul saying the same thing. He said, I knew who I was when Jesus called me. I knew how unworthy I was, but he called me because of who he is, not because of who I am. So let me just encourage you on that level. Stop thinking this person is so far above me, I would be wasting my time. Right? I was just sharing with, with my family last night. We were gathered in the living room. And um, Samer was being very, very nice to me by asking questions about my guitars. He probably doesn't care about guitars at all. But he wanted to engage on some questions with me. And it was a beautiful moment. And it put everybody else to sleep. But I had an opportunity to take lessons. If you're an artist, it'd be like going to Picasso and saying, would you teach me how to paint? And you don't even know what burnt umber is, right? 
And one of the things I revealed last night was the reason I did that is because that individual is, has so much content, has so much honor, has so much gravitas, has walked the walk. I want to learn from the best, and I'm going to stop looking at who I was or even who I am, and I'm going to say who I want to be. I want a double portion of who you are. And I'm not going to let excuses get in my way. I'm not going to let who I know myself and my failures to be get in the way of that. And that's what Paul is saying. Saying I was the worst of the worst. I had no reason for Jesus to reach out to me, and yet he did. And this is his impression. He said, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Let me just share with you, when you've had the opportunity to teach someone or care from someone, I just realized I completely forgot again to dismiss children for Children's Church. Kids, we do have Lynn sitting right in here and she's waiting for you. She told me, don't forget. She was my mentor. She has a lot of credibility. So if any of our kids want to go in for their class, boy, I'm gonna have to pass this on to someone who has a better memory than I do. So kids, you are welcome to go into the classroom if you want. Um, wow, that is just gonna be the only thing we remember from today's message. The point being is that Paul recognized who Jesus was. And he says, I want that. I want that, regardless of who I am. I wanna encourage you to pursue on that level. Here's some closing thoughts. How do you influence? Use Philippians 4.8. Use Philippians 4.8 as a plan or a schematic. How to influence. Whatever is excellent, whatever is true, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is lovely, whatever has a good reputation, think on these things. That provides credible content. Then you influence for that which is good. Here's some closing thoughts and some practical. Number one, check yourself. Ask tough questions. Whether you're those that are going to be the influencers or whether you're those seeking those who are honorable and you want that double portion, check yourself and ask the tough questions. Do I really want to do this? What is the value of what I'm pursuing in life? What are the things that are influencing me and what value do they have? Reach out to someone that influenced you and let them know their impact. I recently drove down to Los Angeles for a memorial service simply so I could tell the widow how influential they were in my life. And she was overwhelmed with joy just to hear that statement and to know that that mattered. Many of you have individuals that have poured into your life. Reach out to them this week. Tell them how they've influenced you and cared for you and affected your life. It matters. The best ability is availability, right? The best ability is availability. Set aside time, not all your time. Set aside time 
you know, Elijah had that down. You want to have influence, you've got to commit. Decide what a double portion, or decide if a double portion is worth it. Because if you're going to ask for something like that, if you're going to swing for the fences, it's going to require something of you. Pursue with courage and relentlessness, and you will receive the benefits of it. Know why you're doing what you're doing. So many of us, the tyranny of the urgent commands our schedule, commands our time, commands our emotional, spiritual, and mental, and physical capabilities. Get command over those things so that the content that you have has a good influence on those around you. We can't influence from a dry well. What is at stake if we don't do these things? Well, I would say the church is at stake. The message of the gospel is at stake. Our own sanity is at stake. The joy of life is at stake. Think about Timothy who struggled years after he was released by Paul and became the lead elder at the church of Ephesus. And Paul has to come back later and say, Timothy, you're doing great. Stay focused. Fan into flame the gift that God has given you. Even Timothy struggled, but because he had that voice of influence constantly in his life, because he pursued it, it strengthened him in Christ Jesus. This morning, as I finish, remember passing the mantle to the next generation isn't negotiable. It's needed. It's required. It's one of the best things that we can do for that next generation. And for the next generation, as we're passing that mantle on to you, keep demanding that our content be godly and be sound doctrine. Let me close in prayer. Father, thank you for the blessedness of these stories out of Scripture that contain so much power. Thank you for what you have given us in Christ Jesus. And I pray that as we pursue this week, we find those areas or those people that would bring to us a double portion and we pursue them relentlessly. But that our first priority is to pursue Jesus Christ. And then we can see the effects of that influence and the beauty of that sound doctrine and content in our lives. The love and the compassion, the sacrifice, and how it will influence us to be better and to be more joyful, content, satisfied, hopeful, faithful. Speak to us, Lord. In your name, amen.